the SGPN Fantasy Baseball Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by our mini helmet contest. The SGP mini helmets are now in the store, and we're giving one away for free. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet. We're also brought to you by our college football playoff props contest. There's a $200 gift card to the winner, exclusively on the SGPN app. We are back again, second time this week. As always, it is Blake Meyer, and I'm here with Ryan. And we also have ourselves a little special guest, Nick Pollock from Pitcher List. How you doing, bud? Hey, what's going on? Uh, sorry, what is happening? That's what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's exciting to we've been trying to get some guests here and there to come on, and I've been wanting to get you on here for a while. So it's kind of it's cool to have you here. Uh, Hanging out with us today, talking some pitching. Oh, what? Get out of here. You brought me <laughs> yeah. on to talk starting pitching? No. Believe it or not. Oh, no. Wait, wait. I, I thought we were talking about like platoon outfielders this episode. That's what I prepared this this whole okay, podcast wait. for. I'm trying to even think <laughs> who are platoon outfielders. There's Jock Peterson. Oh, no, Jock Peterson's oh. good this year. He's got no no shift for Jock Peterson. Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. Um <laughs> I know the Mariners have a few. If Blake, if Blake oh, has Kelnick. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Kelnick again. Uh, but I have a habit of just kind of jumping right into things. So, Nick, it is almost draft season. It's not really. But, I mean, some people are out there drafting a little bit. You're a big pitcher guy. I want to know your draft strategy for pitchers. Yeah. Uh, it changes a lot. Um, generally, every year is the same idea. Uh, which are two tenants. One, um, I don't go for too many starters early. I focus on hitting first. That's just my strength is finding pitchers on the wire. So I don't feel as if I need to draft uh, and spend more for starting pitching as that's the thing I'm going to find later in the season. That's just me. If you feel the opposite, you feel really good at getting hitters uh, in season, then great. Spend that capital on getting the pitchers instead. Um, but the one ten I really, really go for is ensuring that everybody understands it is not a best ball league. There's so many times people do a draft and they run it through the fantasy pros tool to see like who's won your league or whatever. And it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter because that's assuming that you make no moves the rest of the year and you plug in all the guys that you got. And that's not the case. You have to go into your draft anticipating that you're going to be dropping some of these players and getting other ones back. So if you go in with that mentality, then I say I want to have four starting pitchers that I trust, that I am not going to be dropping through the entire season. And then the second half of my staff are guys that I'm expecting to be moving and taking chances on and planning early in the uh, planning starting early in the season. So a good example of that, I actually just uh, recorded a thing on the, the Mets right before this 
the Mets have such a great schedule to begin this season. They face the Marlins, they face the Brewers, they face the Marlins, they face Athletics. And you have Carlos Carrasco. Let's say he's the number three for the Mets right now. He would go against the Marlins twice and then the Athletics. I love that. Do I think that Carlos Carrasco is going to be fantastic for 2023? No. Do I think that I would start him in my 12-teamer for those three starts? Probably. So a guy like that who's going really at the end of your draft, if sometimes not even drafted at all, that might be a really nice late-round pick because he will supplement those early weeks while you're trying to find who is this year's Carlos Rodon and Robbie Ray who are going to stick through the entire year, who's going to be the Merrill Kelly and the Tyler Anderson from last year. So I love a mix of those kind of guys. And then who are my pitchers I can jump for at the end of the drafts who I can make a decision on early and know, okay, they have done the thing that I want them to do. They're at a higher velocity than they want, uh, that I that I want them to be at. They are incorporating their slider and getting whiffs on that. I don't want to draft what I call a Toby, who is someone who is just kind of mediocre and doesn't have that good ceiling and is there to get me a 3-8 ERA with a 120 whip and uh, you know a 20% strikeout rate. You can find that on the wire every single season. It mm-hmm. is so accessible in a 12-teamer. Do not settle for that. Take your chances. Maybe this guy gets a opportunity in the rotation. Maybe Grayson Rodriguez is starting opening day, and that's the guy that everyone needs to get. Those are the pitchers that I go for in the second half of my draft. So, again, first four are secure guys. I'm not going to take Tyler Glass now because I have no idea how many innings he's going to pitch. And that's not – I'm putting myself in a position where it's too risky and I don't have that foundation to then uh, capitalize on the wire through those lottery ticket plays on the second half of my draft. That's my drafting strategy when it comes to pitchers. Yeah, I think the one of the first things you said there is just basically knowing yourself. If you're someone that's going to be first to the waiver wire and your league doesn't stream as much, you can let it go on pitchers and you can just wait and make sure you're if if you're either on the West Coast and you can just wait till it to 3 a.m. for Yahoo. Or if you're staying up till 3 a.m., you you can get those. If you're day staying of, up to 3 a.m., you can just hey. read the SP Roundup and then you know <laughs> who to pick up. Yeah, that, exactly. That's the secret. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, the, the big thing with fantasy baseball just in general is just being active and knowing yourself, knowing, like you said, if you can find pitchers, if you can find hitters. And yeah, like you said, having those solid guys and not drafting some just random veteran that, you know, is going to be solid in, in the end. You want that high ceiling. You want those players where, yeah, they're, they're, they might flame out after a start or two. But yeah, it's not best ball. Like you said, that was one of the big things I took away from reading your draft preview last year was, yeah, it's not best ball. Take a chance on guys. If they're gone in a week or two, they're gone in a week or two. I call it the Miss Frizzle method. Uh, take chances, make mistakes, get messy. Mm. Because if you figure it out, like it might be a little bit rough in April, and that's why you have to take note of those good matchups early on. But then by the middle of May, like you're set. You know, I had a, in the Pitcherless Legacy League, uh, that is our, we have a relegation-based fantasy league uh, for our staff. And the top one, I had Jesus Lazardo and Tyler McGill was feeling so good. And then they both go down the same day. And I replaced them essentially with uh, with Spencer Strider because I was like, OK, now I'm going to take a chance on something else. And you move on. And I got very lucky in that way. But that's just kind of how the season goes on is you have to keep trying to find those things and you will benefit um, by doing that, especially early in the season. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. 
there's reduced juice on sides and totals for all bowl games on the day of the game. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, bet $100, win $100. Limited to state availability. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offers are changed from conditionwinbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present state where playthrough is available. If you or somebody knows a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And don't forget to enter the SGP Mini Helmet Contest. From now until the end of the year, just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet to enter. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet. And we're also brought to you by our college football playoff props contest. There's a $200 gift card to the winner. Enter exclusively on the SGPN app. Yeah, Yeah. I know. Last year, uh, somebody like uh, Hunter Green was a guy that kind of did not benefit at all from that early season schedule. Uh, Trying to pull up his game log right here. He got roughed up at the beginning of the year going against Atlanta, the Dodgers, St. Louis, Colorado at Colorado, Milwaukee and Milwaukee to start the year. And everybody was quick to kind of jump off that hype train a little bit just because he got shelled there for quite Mm. a while. But then end of the season, lights out. He had eight plus Ks in all his last final five games. He only didn't qualify for the quality start one time. He's a guy that especially like this year. I've been targeting a little bit. He's a little, uh, what's yeah, 135 of his ADP or something like that in the mm-hmm. NFBC ADP right now. So guys like that are guys that maybe I wouldn't draft at the beginning of the draft if they start out with such a rough schedule like that. But you can look to pick somebody like that up later on that has that super high ceiling that's going to be dominant. Right. It's, um, you know, and first of all, of course, ADP is weird, as you know, mm-hmm. right now with NFBC. Uh, a lot of 15 teamers they have the gladiator stuff that is 12 but you have to start everybody and it's a different strategy for i have no idea where hunter green's adp is going to land i honestly think it's (laughs) going to be higher than 135 by the end of it i i um you know actually i did another mock draft last night we're testing out a uh an excel war room tool and we got some really good feedback for it so we had a lot of people do it and i got my second full mock draft of the year and one thing I actually noticed was that pitching got pushed way down. Um, really? I was able to get uh, Joe Ryan and Pablo Lopez as my number five and number six. And as someone that waits, that was wow. unbelievable. I'm so excited. Wow. <laughs> and I also saw, I think, Hunter Green go about the 10th or, or 11th round of that one. That seems right to me. Yeah. I, I was out on Hunter Green the entire season last year. Um, because I thought he was just a violent thrower, not a pitcher, mm-hmm. which was true until the second half. Those final six games uh, of the year where he allowed uh, a total of four and runs. He did face the Miami Marlins twice and the Cardinals, Brewers, Pirates, Cubs. Yes, but the four-seamer is located up. It wasn't located down. His four-seamer gets crushed when it's down and then dominates when it's up. And it looked like Spencer, he, he kind of looks like Spencer Strider and, and Christian Javier. I fastball that's hard and effective up in the zone and a slider that works down. Um, I wonder if Hunter Green actually tweaked something that will stick through the offseason for that upstairs command. But if it does, he is Spencer Strider, essentially. I I mean, that's really what he is capable of if he's able to locate uh, upstairs like that. Each of those games, his final five, as you mentioned, 
um, came with at least eight strikeouts and a total of seven walks, but two of those games were three each. I mean, he showcased 11 strikeouts, zero walks, and six innings against the Cardinals. It's there. So I really like Hunter Green. It's a little risky. There are some safer guys you can go with instead of, you know, I really like Joe Ryan as someone who good ratios could go for a long volume is developing a slide or two. He could be better than he was last year. Really good foundation with the fastball, but man is Hunter green fun and fun is cool. You know, <laughs> fun is, is like why we play it. Yeah, sure. You want to be like, no, I want to get my little boring guy that I don't really care about when he pitches, but I do a little bit better. Or you could just go out like uh, Frank the tank and be like, so I come out guns blazing, you know, and <laughs> Anyways, I start blasting. There it is. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. Um, so Hunter Green is certainly one of those. I'm trying to figure out where he actually fits on my rankings. Because actually right, right now I had him at 60-61 because I had him. I didn't really believe the, the second half stuff. But then I looked more into about the locations and everything. And now I need to bring him like to 40. But okay. there's so many fun ones. Like, do I want Nick Lodolo or Hunter Green? I don't know. I honestly that- don't know. I was just about to bring up Nick Lodolo because I, I think Blake and I talked about this probably a f- several episodes ago now, but like just because I remember talking about Hunter Green's game long towards the end of the year and just looking at Nick Lodolo and like I, I bet so like I bet their strikeout props, but I mean he pitched against the Cubs, Brewers, Red Sox, Pirates, Brewers again, Rockies, so not great opponents, but I mean he got nine, eleven, eleven strikeouts, only allowed more than three earned runs and what three of his nineteen starts and fantasy pros their consensus rankings right now has them back to back 40th and 41st best starting pitchers so you know what if if you're in a league where people aren't going to take a chance on those guys maybe try grabbing them both maybe a wraparound spot get them both and and hope one hits and if two hit you're you're off to the races yeah oh man i mean 21 percent swing strike rate on lodolo's breaking ball is good to say the least <laughs> you don't need me to tell you that low hard contact allowed at 12 percent as well um while the sinker gets a ton of strikes at 67 percent i do worry that the fastball can get hit decently hard i uh, and green's fastball can as well when it's low but when it's up it's not so that does speak to me as a higher ceiling for green i could see a trajectory for lodolo where he's just good you know, he's just a good, solid one. He's not necessarily the the top of the line because we don't know where the, the fastball is going to be. It could turn into like a Sean Manaya or Andrew Heaney kind of situation for Lodolo, which I don't love. I mean, I'm saying that also because he's on the left side, but he is a bit of that slinger type. And I don't know if that will speak to the consistency I want to see from Nick Lodolo. I have done two mock drafts so far, and I have found myself not wanting to go for Lodolo uh, when, again, Joe Ryan is available, Jesus Lizardo is available, Pablo Lopez is available, Lance Lynn. Uh, I see him going around these marks, Chris Bassett, Logan Webb. I would much rather go with all of the names I just listed before Lodolo because Lodolo is still just a, I, I just don't know what we're going to expect, while the other ones feel a lot safer uh, to me. But I'm going to miss out on Lodolo, and it's going to be really fun to watch him the entire 2023 season. <laughs> Speaking of Lodolo, he was quite the uh, the breakout star last year for a lot of people in fantasy. I am curious what what kind of analytics you look at when pinpointing a pitcher that could be a potential breakout. Uh, it's hard <laughs> to answer that, I uh, because 
potential breakout. Okay, so in in first pitch Arizona, we did a really fun panel, which was uh, deep pitchers past 350, right? And the reason that every pitcher is past 350 is because they have a problem. There's something wrong with them, right? Uh, Anyone that is worth your attention at all has something good about them, too. Otherwise, they're not a major leaguer, and we're just like, no, we don't want to touch. I don't know. Alec mills or something like that i mean even he had some positive stuff uh, was it alec asher who was on the orioles i don't know you know what i mean you don't want to touch yeah. those guys okay any guy <laughs> named alec get out of here <laughs> sorry alec if you're listening um anyway i uh, so it's about what is the what is the this tweak that you're going to bet on as a fantasy manager that's going to take them from being a pick outside of 350 and then next year inside the top 200, right? For some guys, like for example, for me, Tyler McGill, it's just about opportunity with him. Uh, if Tyler McGill becomes a guy that goes every five days for the Mets, that is not an outside of 350. He becomes mm-hmm. a guy that could develop then uh, into the top 200 at the fastball, had a 15% swing strike rate last year for him and his slider looked like it was getting better and so on. Right. It could be health. It could be something. Look, if this guy just gets on the field enough, then great. Then he should be good. Sixto Sanchez is a good example of that. Right. As Sixto Sanchez is healthy and looking like he was before, then there you go. And obviously that's paired with the the opportunity as well. Is it velocity? Is it someone who just throws 92 and his fastball isn't very good? And if they get that fastball up to 94, look at Carlos Rodon, who was 93 and change. Now he's 96 all the time. Right. That was what his change was. Do you want to bet on a guy gaining velocity? Do you want to bet on a guy changing his usage? Uh, Man, Dylan Bundy has such a good slider. If he only throws it 40% of the time, as opposed to 20% of the time, that could work. Or is it uh, learning a third pitch? Man, he has such a good fastball, but he doesn't have anything to support it. If he were to add something there, then that could be a huge deal. Those are the different areas you can go through and we've seen all these breakouts over the years following different versions of that you know we've seen uh shane bieber and tyler glasnow do that uh of where it was more about opportunity with them actually glasnow had to change his approach of going high fastballs all of a sudden right and bieber had to lean in on the on the secondary stuff we saw robbie ray um figure it out with oh my fastballs were out of the zone and i changed the approach of throwing it in the zone all the time i don't care i'm just going to throw stupid fastballs over uh, Blake Snell had to get rid of the changeup, and he still uses the changeup. It's the funniest thing, with Blake Snell, but that's another story. Like he's like, "Oh no, I'm gonna bring back the changeup." I'm like, "Why?" And he brings it back, and it's terrible. And then he doesn't, and then he's really good again. Like he's gonna bring back the changeup. He's gonna say, "No, no, I think it should be there." I'm like, "Oh god." So I don't want to draft Blake Snell. I'm serious. I think literally he's gonna make the same mistake for the third time. Um, but right, but that's that's how you do it. So. When it comes to like what analytics I look at, I uh, it's it's really just do I believe that these pitches can be good in the first place? What needs to change of it? Is it just oh man, he needs to throw this pitch more because it's really good and this pitch stinks? That's the easiest one for me. Um, opportunity is the next one. Is he actually going to get chances and is this team going to trust him to do it? Right. I uh, but the ones like velocity. The ones like a new pitch showing up, those are the toughest ones, and it's all about spring with those. Carlos Rodon's breakout, that was spring. Uh, Logan Webb was velocity and opportunity. 
and also just having a better slider. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, that that's generally just how it works, right? So I, I unfortunately, I can't just say like, oh, cool, just follow the Cl- Corey Kluber formula, right? And you've got the breakout. There was more to it than that with Corey Kluber. It was that his breaking balls were only like the best breaking balls in the world all of a sudden, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's really tough to answer that question. The fun part is seeing like one thing about a guy and being like, wait, that's really good. Like, oh, my God, Tyler McGill's 15% swing strike rate on his fastball is really good. Eric Lauer last year in 2022 increased his fastball velocity for a season. And wait, he actually has a 14% swing strike rate on it now. Maybe that does turn into something if he has a good matchups at the start of the season, which he did. And then he was really bad after that. But that's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, so I, I implore everybody to to instead of looking at the high level of their overall statistics, like his overall 12 percent swing strike rate. Look at the individual pitches. Um, you can do that on the pitcher list site. Yeah, there's the plug. That's an award winning plug right there. <laughs> um, you can go look at the pictures on on our player page. You can see individually by pitch uh, what their what their stats are and their usage, lefty versus righty as well. And you can see it develop through the year as well in our game log. And you can get a sense of a Hunter Green throwing fastballs up. That's what the conversation is going to be. If he does have a breakout this year, it's going to be that he discovered his high location on fastballs went way up relative to 2022. And that's what it hopefully is. And that's a kind of a believable breakout so there's your answer i hope Ah, (laughs) hope you got something out of that (laughs) no no that's great that's why i love like having you on because you just break down the pitching with the just something as simple as hunter green throwing more high fastballs and just the pitch repertoire and as you're as as you were plugging that i I was looking at it because i was trying to find some uh post 350 after 350 starters i would look at but uh josiah gray was a guy oh, that God. Uh, I, 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 I just have a, a personal story here I, I went to uh i think he had his career high strikeouts 10 or 11 against the phillies that was like one of the games i went to schwarber hit two home runs and the phillies lost like three two i was like oh maybe maybe there's something there now uh braxton garrett also an nl east guy oh, man. i think he's maybe a, a guy but yeah when you're talking about it looking at those people that aren't going to be drafted or are going to be like in the very late rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Look for some of those young guys that can maybe make that one tweak. You want to know the real one? The real one is Mackenzie Gore. Ooh. You guys, I... Everyone's forgotten about Mackenzie Gore. Mm-hmm. He exists. He has opportunity. He, he had like nothing to lose at this point. He actually pitched pretty well um, for San Diego and then he got hurt and then he got traded. And that's where he's at right now. Mackenzie Gore, if it's health and he's pitching every five days, I know the Nationals are not a team for development of pitchers. It's just how it is. Fine, but let him just do what he was doing in San Diego. And I think there is something to like there as a top 20 pitcher. No, but 15, a TGFBI, I will be taking Mackenzie Gore. I sorry, don't be in my leagues, Um, (laughs) but (laughs) fingers crossed I'm not. Yeah, right. But I mean, to Josiah Gray's point, uh, in 2021, I got to hang out with, you know, at First Pitch Arizona talking about Josiah Gray. I remember this distinctly. And I was like, oh, I kind of like Josiah Gray because he's kind of like Mackenzie Gore in this. He got traded to the Nationals. He has opportunity now. There are things to like. The curveball and the slider both miss a lot of bats. And there are days that he gets like double digit whiffs on the fastball. And he looks at me, he starts kind of almost giggling, being like, but his fastball gives up so many home runs. And it's just, <laughs> and I'm like, no. And the lesson is always listen to Eno. 
<laughs> because, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Josiah Gray's fastball just is not good enough. And the, he doesn't get enough strikes with both his curveball and his slider. It's not consistent enough. And I don't trust the the Nationals to figure out how to get that consistency um, overall. So I'm I'm very much out on Josiah Gray as a desperate streamer. Wonderful. Because what he got to lose, and he has a strikeout ceiling, but... I'm not drafting Josiah Gray anywhere. That's just pain. As I scrolled through the ADP thing, I was trying to see where Mackenzie Gore was at. I found him. He's at like 450. I know. But, well, that's ridiculous. It's crazy. I mean, I think they don't know if he's fully healthy is the that's question. True. That's true. That's and true. a lot of these are like draft and holds where they're relying on actually getting innings, which I which means that these generally suppress injured guys. Makes sense. All the sense. But to your 12 teamers, like. You don't even need to draft yeah. Mackenzie Gore. Just just monitor him in spring training. <laughs> That's it. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. At Underdog, the season never ends. Right now, you can play their weekly Battle Royale games or even draft your playoff best ball team. They also have a ton of daily games for NBA and NHL, and the MLB best ball just recently opened. Plus, when you use promo code SGPN at underdogfantasy.com, you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Uh, one that I want to get your opinion on, though, I think he is going to have a bounce back year as Noah Syndergaard oh, no. with the Dodgers. <laughs> I, I only think I, no. I, what was my reasoning? We talked about like, two well, I mean, he's so got far. every variable possible that he would want, right? You go yeah. to driveline like it's Jared's. Yep. And then you go with the Dodgers, right? Oh, he that went to Jared's, you know, like I <laughs> uh, that. I mean, OK, but he's got to get his slider back. He's got to even when he was throwing harder before Tommy John, it was still a bad fastball, believe it or not, until unless it was like ninety nine. It was a very hittable fastball. He always had a high Babbitt because of it. Um, it was just super hittable uh, unless he gets the slider of old back, which was like a twenty four percent swing striker, which is insanely good. The average slider is like a sixteen percent or seventeen percent. Uh, unless he gets that back, like he's gonna be so pedestrian. Um, but I mean, Andrew is. Haney's pedestrian, and they made Andrew Haney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Totally different. Oh. Totally different. Uh, well, first of all, I will say Dodgers defense, beautiful. So that mm-hmm. could in any way help anyone that has Syndergaard. But no, Andrew Haney always had um, his fastball was oh actually good. Uh, it was about consistency with the curveball and the changeup. Or the breaking ball. And then the, the Dodgers did tweak his slider a little bit to make it even better. When he showed up for the Dodgers, it was the best command I've ever seen of Andrew Heaney. Like, the first two starts were just pristine. I'm like, this is ridiculous. But, I mean, it was it was a small sample of that. I'm not in at all on Andrew Heaney um, going, was it L.A. now? No. Where did he go? Wherever he went. Texas, Texas. right? Oh, gosh. That's yeah, right. Even worse. I forgot about I, I'm so embarrassed I forgot <laughs> where he went. Um. But uh, I mean, yeah, that's they're not going to tweak him. The, uh, like, I I have an opinion that once you learn something, you don't need to stay at the organization because you learn that skill. But it's about when you lose it. They're not going to help you get it back. So, that's yeah, I'm not in. True. I'm out. Give me John Gray instead all day. John Gray, super fan over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Going to like the other side of things here. We talked about the deep guys. Uh I, I see Corbin Burns. You're a big fan of. Uh, he's probably your top pitcher yeah, right now. Yeah, why not? Who? Yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> h- how high would you draft him in the first round? No, the answer is no. I'm no, not drafting, never. I'm not drafting Corbin Burns. I have to rank everybody. Well, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> Who, who's the first pitcher you would draft? Ah, uh, there. Draft? He, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm being snarky. I don't mean to. No, be. Please, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 
all means. I love it. Uh, no, I, I, I'm doing these mocks now, and it's actually it's so helpful because I'm determining my ideal, I, my, my understanding of where hitter value lies, and it's actually what will determine when I get a pitcher is more about where I can get the hitters that I want and feel like I have a good lineup. Right. That it, it that's the real fun of doing these early mock drafts. That's why I create the the ultimate dra- fantasy baseball draft strategy guide or whatever, because it's about determining at what points in your draft should you be focusing on certain positions. Everyone will tell you, like, uh, second base is shallow this year. Right. But oh, there's some fun depth, maybe at first base. We've got like the Abreu and the. I abrade you and, uh, you know, CJ Crone and like uh, Pascantino and and so on. Right. Uh, So there are different places to target based on ADP each position. And I think from last night, what I kind of determined was for the first time in a long time, I'm actually really encouraging getting an outfielder, an elite one, because there's a big cliff of that. My gosh, like the third outfield market is terrible. I mean, just look at the free agency market this year. It kind of tells you it's Judge, and then what? <laughs> Nimmo? Exactly. How did Nimmo yeah. get paid so much? How did no this idea. happen? <laughs> no oh idea. Oh, my God. Jesus. Like, he was nothing, like, a year ago. Okay. Um, but, but right. So, so like, I get that. I First base, maybe. Third base. And essentially what I established was the first four rounds, at least, I need to be going hitters. As much as I want to get Carlos Rodon in the middle of the fourth round. Oh, my gosh. That is so good and juicy and wonderful. You're getting like a first rounder essentially as a starter in the fourth round to me. And nope, gotta gotta get a hitter. Gotta go and get Eloy Jimenez. Casey, okay, bye. <laughs> um, so it, I think it's really turned into like the sixth round because I can get like you can do. I could have done yesterday Julio Urias, Christian Javier, Zach Allen, six, seven, eight, and that's a stud. Line. That's a solid you know, set it and forget it. Oh, course. that's just like that's amazing, right? And sure, I don't have you know, I don't have Justin Verlander in there. Or uh if you want to say like Sandy Alcantara or whatever it is, but you don't need that to win. You just need a lot of guys that you do constantly, and then you'll get the extra value as the season goes on. So for me, hitters are so far like the gap is so much bigger, it adds even more emphasis on that this year. Um, and then, yeah, there's so many, oh, there's so many good starters out there. Like Lance Lynn, is going to be great. Everyone just doesn't care about Lance Lynn for some reason. I'm like, why not? He's great. Joe Musgrove went in the ninth round yesterday. What? This is insane. I, uh, so I'm, yeah, I don't take risks where you don't have to this year. That's why I'm like, I'm not going to go on Lodolo. I'm not going to go on an Tyler Glass now. You can bank, uh, Alc Manoa in the seventh is just sure. This is amazing. He should be better this year. His sinker was a little off last year, and slider is going to get better. Um, and stuff like that, where it's just it's so great. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on hitting. I just got to figure out which hitters to do. And that's the hardest problem for me. Is I got to yeah. really sit down and figure that out. I mean, yeah, you you have pitcherlist.com. You don't have hitterlist.com. I do, but we <laughs> but fortunately we have like a hundred staffers, and I joke that they do everything else except starting pitching because I don't want to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so we've got some really smart people here. Yeah, that's a good point though, about the outfielders because, like, you look at like even like the 20th outfielder here on Fantasy Pros is Tommy Edmond, 15 is Garcia. Like this, it's just oh yeah. <laughs> Not to mention most of the the we we found that the most common fantasy baseball league is a five by five head to head categories, mm-hmm. right? 
It's just by far, that's what the majority plays. You can say whatever you want about that's not a good league. It should have quality starts, all that stuff. I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but I will adhere to whatever strategies I'm talking about to that. And in the five by five head to head categories, average and stolen bases are way lower on the priority than runs, home runs and RBI. It's just how it is week to week. The difference between winning or losing that is just so weird because let's say you get 25 stolen bases in a year. That's one a week. And it's just OK. I <laughs> uh, average if you think about me having a 270 average and you a 260, that's literally a 27 percent chance versus a 26 percent chance of a hit. It's like one hit difference on a weekly basis can change it. And that's that's mind blowing. Right. So to, instead of getting too bogged down in that, I focus on, no, if I have more home, like home runs, RBI runs are more steady and consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a guy like Tommy Edmond is going to be pushed up because he has 15 stolen bases or whatever it is. And like, I don't care. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's kind of what happens. I think also with outfielders too, is that there are these extra value guys of that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get Stanton. I'm getting Stanton everywhere. I'm just like, sure. He's give pretty me that. low down the boards too. It's amazing. I got him in like the 10th round yesterday or something. I'm like, yes, great. I got my second outfielder. I had to take Teoscar <laughs> Hernandez in the fourth or fifth. I'm like, I don't like this. Oh, I got to not do I this. I like that. You like it? I mean, I'm a Mariners fan. I have yeah. to like it whether I want to or not. Yeah, there you go. I, I mean, I, 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 he, like he's it, leaving though. a better situation. and He had a down year. And I'm, oh, did he have a down year? He had a down year, right? Uh, he Tell started me. out slow. He, he yeah. hit like 290 in the second half last year. That's so good. Like he, he picked it up. He, he was okay. He was like, I was looking it up the other day. He was like, Late. Uh, I just told you, I don't care about average though. You can't give me 290. <laughs> no, he, he, he had like a, he was like uh sixth in outfield WRC plus for the second half of the year. Like sixth best okay. outfielder. It was like his WRC plus is like 151 or something like that. So he, he showed some signs of life. He's somebody that I don't know if I would take as like my first outfielder, but maybe like, second or third wouldn't be that bad but yeah he's not i have to like him i have no choice go mariners i, I mean I, I i hope he does great i hope he does too by the way i wish you were wearing that otani shirt that you had on last oh time. that thing was incredible i have expected yeah. you to show up in it that thing that oh that's funny incredible. uh yeah i um a wonderful twitch streamer aoc um sent me a i think it was like a one of the days at angels park or whatever it's called angel stadium i don't know uh, i've never <laughs> been there he sent me like the giveaway for Shohei otani which is just Shohei's face on a shirt like many times the whole texture is just otani's face and it's one of my favorite shirts that's amazing i feel very yeah. lucky i know <laughs> i i don't deserve it uh, back to pictures though yes um, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i know you just loving the, the hitter talk there but okay so i need the help well, i'll be honest <laughs> We got you. That's hitters is kind of our thing over here. There we go. Uh, but uh, I asked about like what kind of things you look for in a, a breakout pitcher for a year, which can be kind of tough. Is there specific things you look for in a guy that makes you want to avoid them? I don't know if that's how I want to word yeah. that. Like, um, no, that's yeah. What what are the warning signs or the, yeah, the yeah, red yeah, flags yeah. and stuff? Yeah. So a, a lesson I learned last year, um, I, I essentially called the Wasker, you know, a rule, even though. You know, I had other problems than just this uh, of just health. Hi, don't punch a bench. Um, <laughs> but I and then getting Tommy John, like these are bad things. Don't do those things. I uh, is that if you are a two pitch pitcher, it works if both pitches are elite, not one. 
Wasker Noah's slider is elite. Absolutely so. And I just kind of thought, oh, you throw 96, it's going to be fine. The fastball, no, is not. It gets crushed. However, Spencer Strider and Christian Javier have two elite pitches. That is their fastball, which they put upstairs, and then they have the sliders to go down. And that's I've always kind of framed it as in your repertoire, you need to have three things. You need to have a fastball you can confidently throw for strikes, a secondary pitch you can confidently throw for strikes, and a pitch that you can get whiffs with. Sometimes that whiff pitch is one of the other two, and so you can be a two-pitch pitcher. Um, so a red flag would be if you are a two-pitch pitcher and only have one elite pitch. Um, that, to me, is a problem. Another one is strike rates, I think, are so important. Uh, it's something that you can see on our player pages. I made sure it's a column for it because I believe in it wholeheartedly. You need to have a secondary pitch that you can throw for a strike over 60% of the time. To adhere to that rule of what you need in a repertoire, I oh it is everything. Um, you generally want to have a secondary pitch that throws 63 to 65 percent uh, of the time for strikes, and you want a fastball that's above 65 percent. Um, at least that's just from me observing it. You know, I generally have these loose interpretations of it. I need to actually have <laughs> someone do it. Then again, I said CSW's average was 30 percent loosely, and it's 29.7 in actuality. So I got it. It's, it's right here. There we go. Now, um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's, I think, a huge thing to look at as a red flag is like, look, low strike rates on, on uh, you know, outside of, you need to have uh, two pitches that are definitively good strike rates. Um, if you don't have that, it's going to spell difficulty a lot. Um, hard contact rates are, are also really good. It's different than hard hit because hard hit is based on batted ball events. So only when this pitch ends in a bat or a plate appearance in play as opposed to hard contact that takes all plate mm-hmm. appearances that ended with this. And that's a much better showcase of saying how good or bad a pitch is. If people are going to say like, no, his slider has a hard hit rate of 45%. But like, do you realize that he gets all these strikeouts with this? Like it's clearly very good <laughs> uh, because batters, Oh, when they do make contact, it's probably a mistake. And there is some value to that uh, knowing that when he does make a mistake, it does get crushed. But overall, no, it's a very good pitch for him. Right. Um, hard contact rates, just preventing them is a good thing. We know that. Uh, and you can look at that individually to see, too, does this fastball get crushed or not? Uh, so those are the major ones I would say avoid. Also, just avoid Dylan Seeds because that walk rate is 10%. And you don't see guys do that well with 10% walk rates. <laughs> you just don't. I was just looking up one of your uh, one of the pitcher list articles earlier, and you talked about how banking on a guy with a flirting with a sub two ERA with a 10% walk rate. It's just you, bonkers. Yeah. It, you can't expect him to do that again. There's, it's, it's also interesting is, I mean, he got worse kind of as the season went on or a little bit better. Like the strikeout rate fell to about 24% uh, for Dylan C's in like the final four months or something along those lines. And it's like, wait, what? That's not, but you actually, whip was fine. Whip was like one Oh three or something. I, uh, I, I don't know what to make of him. And I just say, no. <laughs> when I, when, I, when those situations happen, <laughs> there are so many guys to go and chase. And all of these moments, you know, there there's, as you go through the list, like I'm telling you, the pitchers are plentiful. Especially when it comes to making a pick in the first six rounds. Why would I go on Dylan Cease that is all this confusion and haze? And I could say, no, I'd rather go with Brandon Woodruff, who, by the way, off the top of your heads, did Woodruff have a good or bad season last year? Good. He started a, he started rough and then ended really well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think he had a good season. He had an amazing season. Okay. 
it was like a three ERA and like a like a near one whip or whatever. Like it was so good. And he started with five bad starts, uh, and then had Reno's disease essentially, and then was phenomenal for 124 innings after. It was like a two three ERA and a one whip and a 30 percent K rate across like 125 innings. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you're amazing. Still, you know, and it's I've seen situations where people get Dylan Cease instead. I'm like, no. <laughs> no don't do this yeah i'm looking oh, yeah. up woodruff's game log now i mean after he came back from rain odds so it's, it's, it's probably good to be able to feel the baseball as a pitcher he yeah went, right uh, 13, so <laughs> 13 and 5 137 strikeouts and 109 innings uh era of 238 pretty good pretty His good pitcher change up i think had a 26 percent swing strike rate by the way league average on a change up is 13 percent that's it's nuts. really good. It's really good. Yeah. And also something you mentioned, Christian Javier. I, I didn't realize how oh, good he oh, is. Oh, I have to get Christian Javier in every draft. I mean, I'm like, he, he is Spencer Strider. He is the, the same thing. Yeah, it's the he, same thing. He's so young to the point where he's, what, 25 now? He's just, just going to keep getting better. He, I mean, the walk rate is higher than Strider, but like slightly. But the fastball had, had arguably better results than, than Strider's. I uh, stuff metrics and everything like, yeah, they're pretty similar. Also the same strike rate on sliders and the same like swing strike rates. It's like the same. It, it's kind of wild to me. I, uh, so, and I, I, there's something also to be said about the high velocity of strider to get his results that speaks more to injury than Javier's. I, uh, cause it's a slower thing, but eh, I don't know how much I buy all of that, but still it's like eh, a little, like there's a little guy in my head, like knocking, like, yo, listen to me, Nick. Um, and <laughs> so and you can get him a couple rounds later. So I'm like, all right, I'll just circle in Christian Javier as my SP2. Yeah, I, I'm excited to do some uh, mock drafts after hearing you talk all about. Yeah, this right. I know. This I is mean, the fun. I my this is it. down. <laughs> I mean, I do them. I do them once a week, I believe, starting in February. I then try and do like different ones. We've done like Wheel of Doom mock drafts before where I have to pick. As two pitchers to start the draft or something like oh. that. <laughs> yeah, it's like you guys are the worst. <laughs> you know, you spin it, and I have to pick a guy whose ADP is after 250 in the first 10 rounds or something like that. Oh, you know, okay. yeah, yeah. But you know what? You make it work. It's 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 fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait to like get back into it. And the the reason I do all of those is then by the time I write that draft article, I'm like, I've got it down. You know, I know the the flow of it. What I like, what I don't like, that kind of thing. Like yeah, that. and I'm my, myself with mock drafting, I don't like I don't take it seriously as I would with like my big money league. Right, and then after right. I, after I do my big money league draft, I'm like, oh, I could have done so many things different. So exactly. hopefully this year, maybe Blake and I will do some mock drafts live on the podcast. Yeah, get some, get some content, get some stuff going there. Yeah, I um I'm really lucky that I can do these mock drafts with the staff, and the staff will respect like you know they will. It's not just some rando or something who can just disappear. Yeah. I'm like, no, your name is on this now. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I am posting this to Twitter so everybody right. can see what you picked. Um, yeah. We might uh, we might open it up. It might be really fun to just kind of do an open call on Twitter, being like, all right, like if are you someone in the industry that wants to do this for your own stuff? Like, great, come on down. We'll do we'll host some and stuff like that. I uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's so important. It, it kind of like, oh, there goes two and a half hours of my day or whatever. But <laughs> also, you feel so much better at the end. I mean, you can also do it like 20 rounds or something if you really want. Like the last three are like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's done by like the 18th. 
So are, are there any other must-grab guys for you that you haven't mentioned yet? On oh, man. Here? Yeah, I, I find myself gravitating towards or, or, Joe Ryan. Or must-avoids also. Um, let me let me look at this really quickly of like last night, right? Because I think that would be the most helpful thing I can do at the moment. I'm just saying, all right, these are the guys from yesterday that I just found myself just enamored beyond belief, right? I <laughs> uh, so let's see what we got here. Oh my god, I have so many drafts that I've done. It's insane. All right, um, Christian Javier, as I mentioned, absolutely. I love Carlos Rodon in the middle of the fourth. I was able to get Nola in the fifth of my first mock, and that was okay. I felt like a steal. Um, Luis Castillo is someone that I'm seeing a lot go in the sixth, and yes. He's I'll much better him. as a Mariner. Slider and four-seamer. Incredible. He doesn't even have any of his changeup working last year, and that was really good. Um, I'm seeing a lot of love for George Kirby, speaking of Mariners. I'm cool with it. I, I'll accept I, that. I, I think that, so for example, last night, George Kirby went in the middle of the ninth round, and I don't really see a difference between him and, say, Lance Lynn, who went in the 11th. Uh, or really Chris Bassett in the 12th. I mean, I will say the ceiling is higher for Kirby than Bassett. But it's not such a big gap while, like, Joe Musgrove went in the beginning of the ninth round. And that's just insane to me. Um, but uh, other ones that I'm seeing, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was good. I want to get Grayson Rodriguez in the 15th. I want to do that. Absolutely. Uh, he's going to be the starter. He's going to be the ace for the Orioles out of the gate. I would be shocked, honestly, if not at this point. Um, and yeah, everyone's going to want him. He's going to he's mm-hmm. going to float up to like the twelfth round or eleventh round. I, I guarantee it. I yeah. Um, especially, especially in those later rounds, some people are kind of like in uh, just phoning in mode, and you can that, that's when you can get the steals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kenta Maeda, Bailey Over, Mike Soroka, and Sixto Sanchez were like my last four picks. And it's like that's your that's your game. If you especially if you're drafting now, you see it in spring. Like you, you don't even need to have them on opening day. You just see yeah. how spring goes. Kenta Maeda looks like Kenta Maeda. Great. Bailey Ober throwing high fastballs down on away sliders. Great. Mike Soroka is he healthy? Sixto Sanchez is he healthy? I don't know. But if they are, they're not going that late. Yeah. So what the heck? Why not go for it? Um. But yeah, I don't know. Those are really the ones I'd say for now. There are just so many good starters, and just get whoever is there, like the sixth, seventh, and eighth. It's great. I know you mentioned uh, Grayson Rodriguez. That's a perfect transition. Oh yeah, kind of the Probably last little segue. thing that I have. Uh, so I do a. I'm one of the lucky people that gets to do a weekly AMA on the fantasy baseball subreddit. Oh yeah, awesome. I did it last week, just kind of like a. I kind of. Like, I know uh, Scott Chu does it for you guys. Um, a lot of them stopped during the off season. I kind of did yes. one last week just because they've been busy and I was bored. Yeah. So why not fire up the AMA? One question that I got asked, we didn't get to it on the last episode. So it's perfect that you're here because I'm curious of your answer. Uh, I got asked, this person can keep only two of these. Oh, man. It'd be keep for this year. And then if they keep them after this year, I'm assuming it's an auction draft. They said that they can keep them after this year as well. But it, their value goes up by $5 every year that they keep them. Sure. Tristan McKenzie, uh-huh. Hunter Green, uh-huh. Grayson Rodriguez. Are they same? All like $1 or whatever? Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, first and foremost, I'm going to tell you right now, for every Dynasty League, I am so hyper-focused on now. Um, I think everybody 
puts too much on an emphasis. Everybody's such a generalized term, but a lot of people put uh, an emphasis on like five, eight years. They're so young. I'll have them for a decade, whatever it is. You don't know if the league's going to exist in a decade. Just win now. People put so much emphasis on it. Are you putting out a great team this year? Awesome. Do you have a prospect that you're really excited about? They will be a new one next year. Just keep on moving it. Things change all the time. No one cared about Nestor Cortez two years ago. What do you know? Now Nestor Cortez is a thing. There's new stuff like this all the time. Uh, so focus on the now as much as you can. So really a three-year window, two years, honestly. So in that case, I will say Tristan McKenzie. I like him the most of the three of them right now. Uh, I don't think that you need to chase Grayson Rodriguez or Hunter Green. You don't need to chase the home run when you have something like Tristan McKenzie here, um, who should be better than the other two. Uh, so that's that's my take there. I understand the fun of Hunter Green. It could be a game-changing thing. Grayson Rodriguez looks like this incredible ace. You might be regretting that one. Tristan McKenzie's good. <laughs> um, I still have worries about if the fastball command is good enough, but I actually think over time he just gets better because he should fill out. Uh, he's a really skinny guy, and I say that as a positive mm -hmm. because he will not always be a skinny guy. That's just not – he's not going to go through his entire career like this. He's working out. He is on a program to improve on that. And as you fill out as a pitcher, you get more strength, not just in throwing harder. It's not really about that. It's actually about stability in your mechanics and being able to replicate more often and not fatigue as much. So that is a positive to me with Tristan McKenzie. I think that would mean that he should have better fastball command over time. This, the curveball, oh, beautiful. It's a beautiful <laughs> pitch. High swing strike rates. Um, yeah, that should keep being good. Not necessarily as good as last year with a sub-3 ERA, but Tristan McKenzie, I think, is the safest of the crew. And I would just say, yeah, get the good one. I agree. And I was just looking up Tristan McKenzie. His... I love run values when I'm evaluating pitchers because it's kind of easy to see who has like a really dominant pitch. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, his four-seamer last year, negative 17 run value was yeah. excellent. But, man, his slider is like the complete opposite direction. Oh, slider is 11. annoying. Oh. Slider drives me nuts because it's so inconsistent. <laughs> it, well, he'll like float that thing up and all of it all the time. But the curveball is fortunately really good. And when the slider is great, then like it's the best start ever. Uh, run value is an interesting thing. Because it's purely results, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I've always been upset by that. Um, because it's you can throw the same pitch twice. Exactly the same. And it's all about context. How many guys were on base. Uh, what the batter did to that pitch. And not what the pitcher did, right? You can have a home run in one situation. You can have a pop out on the other. You can have a double play or something, right? And... It's always annoying, but it generally does speak, obviously, in favor of, like, if it's a good pitch, you're generally going to have better results anyway. Um, so it's totally safe to use it. It's just uh, hopefully in the near future, there'll be something that is a run value or a value for a pitch uh, that uh, is not based on the event, but more about the pitch itself. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, I think that is that's all I've got for you today. Oh, man. Nick. Do you want wow. to left you with a tease? Oh my gosh. I love that. But before you go, <laughs> what do you guys got going on over there at Pitcher List? Oh, nothing. You know. 
<laughs> uh, what we're, we're doing is we're making sure that we leave a rating and review for this podcast with Blake and Ryan uh, and uh, subscribing to their channel and all that stuff. Follow them on Twitter. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not doing that. What are you guys doing? You, you got to be doing it. Um, but yeah, come on down to Picture List. We, we never go dark. Uh, I'll be releasing my, all of our rankings for PL8 uh, when that launches uh, February 7th. Um, I have my Plus Pitch podcast that I'm going to be re- reviewing every single rotation through January. It's just a quick 15-minute uh, listen, so look out for that. Uh, it starts, yeah, January 1st, I guess, this weekend. Oh, my gosh, it's almost 2023. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but, yeah, go check that out. I'm also streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash pitch. So you can watch all the previous broadcasts while I watch pitching and show you my whole process. Um, but, yeah, check out the site. You're going to love it. Yeah, and you can also follow Nick on Twitter at PitcherList. Pretty straight to the point Twitter gotta, as well. Got to do it. One day I'll <laughs> tell you the story of how uh, I used to be the PitcherList, and that changed, fortunately. Streamlined uh, it a little bit. Yeah, I got. I figured it out. I got that. <laughs> got that handle. You know. <laughs> we'll have to have you. We'll have to have to have you back on at some point to go. Oh, I'd be honored. This was a wonderful time. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah th- th- thanks, thanks for joining us here. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. yeah. Adios. All right, everybody. That was our end of 2022 episode. We had to get a very special guest on for this one, Mr. Nick Pollock at Pitcher List. Go ahead and go follow him. Also follow our Twitter as well at SGPN Fan Baseball. You can catch more quality content coming every single week as you have been. And like Nick said, make sure you uh, give us that five-star rating (laughs) and give us a little uh, review as well. We love those. We'll read them on the air for you. And yeah, Yeah. I mean, that was such a fun episode. I don't, I'm speechless kind of. I mean, yeah, that that was a great episode. Uh, Good to hear about those uh, pitcher stuff. And uh, I got me excited for some mock drafts and for some uh, underdog best ball stuff. So hopefully uh, in the coming weeks here, dead of the offseason, we'll do some uh, mock drafts, go over them and get some of our takeaways from them. Yeah, that'll be so fun. Even I mean, even just one mock draft at this point. I'm just I'm yearning. Just just give me some fantasy baseball action, something. Yeah, we talk about it so much. Like I, I, I need an outlet for all of this info that I keep intaking nonstop to put it towards and just see what happens. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's almost January now, shockingly. So uh, pitchers, pitchers and catchers will be here, and then that'll be March, and we'll be uh, peak season here at the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And on that note, I think that's how we're going to wrap up the uh that's how we're going to yeah. wrap up 2022. You can follow me on Twitter at Balake, B-U-H-H-L-O-C-K-A-Y-E. And I'm Ryan Gilbert. You can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. And we will catch you guys next year. Peace. <laughs>